Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. This is your host, Jerry Pugger. I'm joined, as always, by Corey Geiger. Corey, Penn State, you know, played two teams very closely that were in the Big Ten Championship game with Michigan ultimately winning and coming out as, uh, dare I say it, hail to the victor um, on Saturday night. How close really were they to being, you know, flip-flopped with one of those teams? Yeah, that's what's really intriguing about this Penn State season and and maybe even frustrating. So you, you can kind of look at it the glass half full or you can look at it the glass half empty. The glass half full, Jared, is they would have beaten Iowa. We all know they would have beaten Iowa if Sean Clifford does not get knocked out of that game. Can we preface this by saying the Big Ten West is absolutely awful? Yeah, never won a never won a Big Ten championship game. Obviously, the East is is significantly better. But Penn State Penn State didn't play great against Michigan either. But they had a lead in the fourth quarter. Okay, they had a lead with six minutes to go against Michigan, which ends up pounding Ohio State and then pounding Iowa to go to the to the college football playoffs. So um, Penn State goes seven and five. And you're like, <laughs> what the hell, man? But then you look at, well, they were right there with Michigan. And if not for a busted coverage play, I, I still think Michigan probably wins that game and they're better. But, you know, one long touchdown, uh, they beat Iowa. They, they're right there with Ohio State. That's why this 2021 season, Jared, is just perplexing, flummoxed. Let's use all the crazy words. Confusing, Confusing, frustrating. Yeah, it's because you saw this Penn State team <laughs> have a chance in, in all these games. But yeah, then they, they were lose. literally in every game. But you lose to Illinois, for God's sake. So that's really it's, – it's just wild if you think about how good they could have been and how well they did at times versus the fact that they went 7-5. and five. Yeah, I think the, the team motto or the team, just if the paraphrase of the 2021 season for Penn State is could have, would have, should have, right? Because, I mean, they were in every game. They Obviously, the Illinois game is a disaster uh, in overtime. Uh, you lose on the road at Iowa. Your, your starting quarterback goes down. Your second-string quarterback just is not prepared, uh, ill-prepared. Um, then you lose to Ohio State. You lose to Michigan, and you lose to Michigan State. And, you know, all those teams, you know, Iowa ranked, Michigan State ranked, Michigan ranked, Ohio State ranked in the top five. Um, Those teams all are good teams. Um, I think Iowa, you kind of look at it, you know, in the grand scheme of things, hey, they're the best team in the Big Ten West. Where would that have put them in line Um, in the Big Ten East? So, I mean, it's just one of those situations where the – how stacked the Big Ten East is. And this isn't an excuse. This is just the way that it is. Right. You've got to beat those three teams if you want to be competitive, if you want to be where Michigan is. And and Michigan lost to Michigan State, right? They could very easily be the number one team in the country. We could have a Harbaugh number one team in the country if they beat Michigan State, right? And, and, and that's just one of those situations where, hey, that's – you. 
you kind of have to deal with it. Those are the circumstances. And, and Hey, if you want to be good, you know, you can't lose to Illinois. You can't, but you also, that honestly, that's probably the most insignificant of the losses. You can't lose to Michigan state, Michigan and Ohio state. That can't be three of your losses. But that's what you got to play every year. And, you know, it's going to be a challenge. Mel Tucker, good coach, 10 years. He's going to be there. Michigan's got it back going now. You know, Ohio State's always going to be there. But that is the frustrating part because let's call it uh, like it it is. They beat Iowa and they beat Illinois with a healthy Sean Clifford. Okay. there's. I don't think there should be any doubt about that. They beat both of those teams with a healthy Sean Clifford. They beat Michigan State if James Franklin and Mike Yersich don't have a brain fart and try to do something stupid. I mean, really, Jared, I've, I've thought and thought a lot about this since that game ended. I think it's the worst coaching performance of James Franklin's tenure at Penn State. Michigan State's pass defense is freaking awful, the worst the Big Ten has ever had. So what do you do? You go in there and try to run the ball. We talked about that all last week. I wrote about it extensively. Just awful. It's just it, you, you. So what we're getting at here is James Franklin and the players at Penn State are good enough to be in all of these games and good enough, really. Quite frankly, I mean, Ohio State was going to beat them, I think, regardless. But this Penn State team was good enough to go 11 and 1, Jared. Mm-hmm. You beat Iowa. And you beat Illinois with Clifford, and then you throw the ball 50 times, you beat Michigan State. And if you get one defensive stop, you beat Michigan. If, 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 if. We well, you know what I like to say. If my dad didn't have something, he'd be my mom. All right. So we can say if all we want, but the bottom line is they didn't do those things. Why didn't they? So when we say how close is Penn State? This is where it honestly gets back to that discussion of James Franklin. How close is James Franklin to being the kind of coach during a tough game that he can help get them over the hump? Yeah, and I mean, they've been in this situation before. I mean, think about, think about how different life would be if 2016 didn't happen, if block six didn't happen. Um, and, it, and it's crazy because one injury derailed Penn State's entire season. If Sean Clifford stays healthy, the complexity of the season is completely changed. And this could have been easily Penn State playing on this night um, or on Saturday night. So, I mean, it's just one of those situations, right? But, again, James Franklin's got to put himself and his team in in the right situations. And I think the biggest mistakes that I saw Penn State have, Tiquan Roberson wasn't prepared or he's just not that good. And that's just both of them, I think, can be true. But that is on the coaching staff. That 100% is on the coaching staff for not having Taquan Roberson ready to go against Iowa. You can take for granted Sean Clifford and his toughness and tenacity all you want. He's got to be ready to play against Iowa. He wasn't. Um, number one, coaching decisions in, in the Michigan game. And the Ohio State game, Michigan and Michigan State, is, especially when they lost to the entire Mitten State, you know, the block through the fake field goal. They're just getting too cute with a lot of different things. And, and again, you, you play to win the game, and essentially, you've got to do that. And, and when you're just kind of playing not to lose, uh, which I think Penn State has done more often than not in his tenure there, yeah. something's got to give. You have to be a little bit more of, a, of, aggressive, of, of an aggressive style of play if you want good things to happen. And that's, again, those are the things that James Franklin is going to have to figure out. We, we talk a lot with James about self-scouting with the team, um, self-analysis with the team. I think I went on and on last week on our podcast here. I think James Franklin needs to go away for a week and do some self-realization personally and mm-hmm. just figure out things himself that, that, that don't have anything to do with any other member of the team or any other coach, but just – think long and hard about what I'm going to be as a head coach during these games, because you just mentioned it, you know, you're playing not to lose. You get a lead and you play, start playing differently or whatever the case might be. But the bottom line is we just finished. We're, we're recording this folks 
uh, early Sunday mornings. We had a great Saturday of football with the championship games and everything. But Penn State went seven and five. And we'll find out Sunday. By the time many people hear this, we'll find out where Penn State's going to a bowl game. Uh, it probably will not be any place great. Either the Penn Stripe Bowl or the Las Vegas Bowl seem to be the top choices. Um, but look, uh, how many people are going to care about that? How many players are going to play in that game? Is John Dotson going to play in a bowl game, Jared? I personally don't think he should uh, as a first-round pick. Should Arnold Evocati play in a bowl game, a meaningless bowl game? Again, I personally don't think he should. And I, I'm not, just not really sure that uh, Penn State fans really care. I think Penn State fans have moved on, and they're looking ahead to Drew Aller, and they're looking ahead to a recruiting class and signing days coming up here on the 15th. And I think Penn State fans care more about that really than how this season is going to finish right and and obviously the the self-reflection will start I would imagine if it hasn't started already it's going to start here after the whole game whenever that might be whether it's in New York whether it's in Vegas um it's just one of those situations right you know you go in and you take a good hard look at what you need to do to get better and to reach the goals that you have do you want to do you want to go from good to great to great from great to elite um but you got to talk if you're going to talk the talk you got to walk the walk um and to be perfectly honest, you know, Penn State has the potential. They have the talent. They just got to develop it. And they got it, you know, I go back to the take one Roberson stuff because, you know, obviously they learned a little bit from that because Christian Veyu looked like he was pretty well prepared. I understand that he was playing Rutgers. Um, but again, he did everything that he needed to do. And he showed a lot of poise and looked like the moment wasn't too big for him. Now, granted, Playing Rutgers at home is completely different than playing Iowa on the road in a close game. But, hey, the moment wasn't too big, and he did it. But, you know, here we are, Penn State 7-5. and five. They still got one more game left this year. Going to put the, put the finishing touches on the recruiting class here coming up. Um, and then they're going to go into the offseason, and, and hopefully there's some stability, but there are going to be some changes that are going to be made because now, um, you know, and we're going to talk about this here in the next segment, they got some coaches to replace. And, you know, that's kind of the nature of the business right now in college football. Yeah, and, and again, we, we'll finish this up with how close was this Penn State team on the road in Columbus, down 27-24 to start the fourth quarter. That's as good as you can really hope for out there against uh, – C.J. Stroud's not going to win the Heisman. I, I think we all probably saw who's going to win the Heisman uh, in that Alabama game. But uh, C.J. Stroud could have won the Heisman if, if Alabama had not played and Bryce Young had not played great on Saturday. But uh, lead the lead in the fourth quarter against Michigan. Um, you're, you're better than Michigan State. Jared, I'll ask you, if they played Michigan State ten times, how many does Penn State win? I think they beat them seven out of ten. I, that's what I wrote, seven out of ten. So, you know, Penn State was right there, close enough. All right, well, I'm sorry, they were right there and they were close, but that's just not good enough. They've got to find a way to win those games. Right. And, hey, can they do it? Yes. But will they do it? That's a different question. That's a different question with a completely so, different answer. So what we'll talk about in the next segment, this is a great segue, is will they still be as close now with some of these changes coming up? That's right. And we're going to talk about that here in the next segment on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. This is the We Are Podcast. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the second segment of the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey. I'm Jared. Corey, are you an amusement park person? I am. I, you know, I, I, I don't like standing, standing in line for an hour, but I like getting all the food and doing the shows and everything. 
So, yeah, I, I'm not uh, the biggest amusement park person. Um, I'm not tall enough to ride most of the roller coasters. <laughs> what? But, do, you, do you not reach the 54-inch thing or whatever? That's to be determined. Um, but, <laughs> but one of those situations, one of my favorite rides is the carousel. Um, and the carousel is, is in every amusement park, every park you can imagine. And there's no greater carousel at this time of year than the coaching carousel. Oh, sometimes I see, did, I see what you did there. Sometimes there's clown music. Sometimes there's roars. Sometimes there's questions that come out of the, out of the carousel. Brent Pry, deservedly so, took the Virginia Tech job. It's where he was a GA in the early 90s under Frank Beamer. Penn, the, the most consistent coach Penn State has had since James Franklin got there was Brent Pry. He's Brent Pry's. Brent Pry was James Franklin's right hand man, and the defense was, you know, bend and don't break. But they were pretty damn consistent throughout his tenure, and they have produced a multitude of, of different monsters to go to the NFL. Odafe Owe, formerly known as Jason, uh, tearing it up for the Ravens, who are playing in Pittsburgh today. Micah Parsons, who's tearing it up for the Dallas Cowboys, he's having a hell of a season, a record-setting season as both an end, an end and a linebacker. Um, now, he's not the only one. You know, there are a bunch of – and he's not even the only one with Penn State ties. You know, um, Joe Moorhead, now the Akron head coach. Uh, so, James Franklin, not only is he producing NFL quality – or um, is he producing players to go to the next level, he's producing coaches to go to the next level too. Yeah, and there's a lot to be said for James's ability to evaluate talent and bring in talent. Charles Huff the uh, head coach at Marshall, um, Ricky Ronnie, the head coach at Old Dominion. Now, this will be interesting. Anthony Poindexter. Now, this, I mean, he's only in his first year on the staff, and he's coached for a long time, but he would count as James Franklin's coaching trick if he gets the head coaching job at Virginia. Where he's a college Hall of Famer and as a player, and, you know, that's his alma mater, clearly. And he very well could get that job in the coming in the coming days, uh, according to some reports down there. I've got a story here on DK Pittsburgh Sports about that. So, um, but Brent Pry, let's start with him because that's a that's a huge loss. That's a huge. I think he was the best coach that Penn State has had, other than Moorhead. I think Moorhead, I think Joe Moorhead, mm-hmm. what he did in 2016 really saved Penn State football and saved James Franklin. But I thought Brent Pry. As you said, the right-hand man just did a tremendous job. So they lose him. Who are you going to replace him with? Well, he'll get a good coach. He'll get a good coach. Uh, But if you lose Anthony Poindexter as well, now you're losing your co-defensive coordinator there. And the one thing about Jared, you coach coach kids uh, in high school sports. And we Mm -hmm. always say next man up, next man up, next man up, next man up. Well, you're a backup for a reason, all right? Starters – are better than backups 80% of the time. Sometimes you'll get a backup that comes in and is better. If you've got the guy that you want in the job, and yeah, he may go get a better job, and that does look good on you, your chances of replacing that guy with somebody who is as good as that guy, they're, they're not great. Ricky Ronnie was not as good as Joe Moorhead. I'll, get, I'll pretty much guarantee the next defensive coordinator is not going to be as good as Brent Pry. So when you have some attrition, which is just the way it goes in college football nowadays, you do have to wonder, you know, what level of, of changes that brings to a program. Yeah, and, and so this is the thing, and you see it in the stability or lack thereof on the offensive side of the football since Moorhead left. Um, you know, and Joe Moorhead was never going to be around for a long time. He was a head coach, and, and, and deservedly so with that offense. He was the head coach. At Fordham, before he came to Penn State, uh, took the offensive coordinator job, went to Mississippi State, got chased out of there. He did okay in two years. I don't think they really gave him a fair shot uh, at Mississippi State. Then he goes to Oregon and becomes uh, an offensive coordinator uh, at, with the Ducks. Quack, quack, quack. They get smoked in the uh, Pac-12 championship game. Um, and then he goes to Akron. And, you know, and, and in the meantime, Penn State's had Ricky Ronnie for two years. They had Kirk Shiraka. And then they had, uh, they have Mike Yurcich right now. So, again, the grass isn't always greener. I mean, going back to when, you know, when Penn State had Ricky Ronnie as the uh, offensive coordinator, how many people do you think would, they, would say now, if they could go back in time, maybe it wasn't so bad with him being the offensive coordinator? 
Yeah, I'm not one of those. Uh, I, 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 I didn't like Ricky as an offensive coordinator. I thought he was very raw and inexperienced and not prepared for certain game situations. Now, Ricky Ronnie is a third, fourth, fifth, six-year offensive coordinator. Sure. But Ricky Ronnie doing that for the first time after what we saw from Joe Moorhead, I, I did not I, – I was not a fan of that at all. And I do like Ricky Ronnie. I think he might end up being a better head coach than, than a coordinator. Just I think James Franklin maybe is a better head coach than, than he might have been as a coordinator. And that, that can happen. Um, but the, the Sharaka thing to me is really fascinating, the sharaka Yersich thing. And I will admit I was one billion percent wrong about Mike Yersich because I thought Mike Yersich would come in and bring in just a tremendously dynamic offense, one that could score 40 a game, one that could really uh, put the defense in peril, all right, in conflict is what everybody – put the defense in conflict. They didn't do that. They didn't do that at all. And, you know, you go to Shiraka. Uh, statistically, they were better in basically every way in 2020 with Sharaka than they were with Yersich in 2021. So uh, Yersich will have to do better, and I do think he will do better, or else he'll be gone. Um, but you, you, when you make changes, and my, you know James Franklin wanted Yersich, you know he he probably would have held held on to Kirk Sharaka if Yersich was not available. Mm-hmm. And Kirk Schrock is now going to be the offense coordinator again at Minnesota. And I, I wish him luck. But when, again, Jared, when you make changes and then more changes and more changes and more changes, it's good that those, these folks are getting better opportunities, but now you've got to replace them with coaches that are just as good. Yeah. If not better. And, and that's incredibly hard to do. I don't envy James Franklin's position. I mean, it's great that these guys are, are going to the next level. They're getting, they're not moving for lateral positions. Right. Um, but they aren't the only ones that, you know, that, that changed jobs this week. And the carousel was really off its hinges uh, with some big money being thrown around. I mean, Brian Kelly, let's talk about Brian Kelly. You know, what I was saying down there in Louisiana. <laughs> nice. Sorry, that was my best Brian Kelly impression because that was about as quick as he grew, uh, grew a fake accent. Um, it's about the way that you do it. I think that it, it also matters too because when you're, when you're talking and coaching – you are building relationships. You are trying to build a relationship with these kids, their parents, uh, and their families. And that matters. That matters to the players. That matters to the parents. It matters to everybody involved. But it seemingly doesn't matter to the coaches because they don't give a shit. They, they are there. It's a business. These guys are in a business. Brian Kelly left, his, left the recruit's house, allegedly, to once the news broke. He was out recruiting for Notre Dame when, it, when – the news broke that he was getting the LSU job, the LSU position. He calls, sends a text. Hey guys, we're going to have a 7 a.m. meeting. That meeting lasted 10, less than 10 minutes. Um, he is gone. He says, I love you guys. I wish you all the best. I think you're one of the fourth, fourth best teams in the league. Hey, or in the country, but I'm going to go, I'm going to take my talents to, to the Bayou. You know, kudos for Notre Dame for how they've handled this. I think Jack Swarbrick has, has handled this great um or as good as they can and then he just goes down and and, and to lsu and, and puts on this facade now brian kelly is not a great person you know you can you know, the all the, the the film stuff from early in his tenure in notre dame how he left cincinnati which is a very similar way that he left notre dame then you have lincoln riley who's off on a private jet unlimited private jet access as part of his contract to usc oklahoma lose leaves oklahoma oklahoma's going to the SEC, Lincoln Riley clearly didn't want any of that. So he's now in the Pac-12 at USC, making that the mecca of college football, where he had said just last week that Oklahoma was going to be the mecca of college football. These guys are businessmen. This is a business that's a, there's no loyalty, nor, is, nor will there be to an extent, uh, unless you get a special coach. And, and you know what? And who's to say that these, these organizations, these colleges deserve that loyalty? Because guess what? If you don't do enough for them, don't raise enough money, don't win enough games, you're gone. Go get your check. And it's just a really weird situation because you want to preach loyalty as a coach. Hey, we want you to be a part of this program. But they don't – the university doesn't have to show that loyalty back. And it's really weird. Um, and it, it's just kind of off-putting. I, think, I don't think it's great for the coaching profession. Um, that they're doing this stuff. But again, you know, loyalty is, is a fickle thing anymore. It, it, 
It really is. I don't disagree with anything you said, and I hate the whole process. I just don't know how you can change it. You've got early signing day now in the middle of December. As soon as the regular season is over, these schools have to recruit. You've got if you're going to have a coaching change, you've got to get them there. You know, Brent Pry. Brent Pry was. Let's talk about that. Brent Pry was recruiting for Penn State, and mm-hmm. you know, you'd think he would need to get help Penn State get ready for a bowl game, but now he's got to go take another job. There, there are Penn State fans out there that are probably thinking, "Oh, hey, you know, James Franklin is so loyal to Penn State. See, he stuck around." He stuck around, you guys. He didn't go to USC. He didn't go to LSU. He stuck because he's loyal. He knows what he's going to build at Penn State. No, it's because they didn't want him. All right, let's let's be honest about that. If James Franklin had gone ten and two this year, and USC offered him eleven million dollars a year, he's gone. And if you don't if you don't understand that, then then you're pretty clueless on the situation. All right, because we we want to think of all these guys. They love our school as much as we do. They love being desired they love having leverage they love being wanted and the money and the contracts and the prestige and all of that and if, if usc had come along offered james franklin a big enough check he would be gone and penn state would then be dealing with all of the massive turmoil that oklahoma is dealing with right now with recruits jumping ship you everybody's wondering about the future so in 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 the the best possible news look i didn't like that james franklin got a 10-year contract but i also didn't really want to see james franklin leave because it could create all that turmoil now penn state does at least get to carry on whatever status quo is jared whatever business as usual is and we talked in the first segment how close are they penn state at least gets to carry on with status quo and not face all of the craziness like maybe Oklahoma is right now. Stability, I think, is the biggest thing in college football. Penn State has been, you know, for the most part, a pretty stable program, pretty stable organization. So getting that stability and keeping that stability is great. But let's call us – I mean, I, I wish these coaches would call a spade a spade. Instead, you know, they just kind of mosey around the point. Let's be real. Nobody is faulting anybody um, – for taking a better job or taking more money, go get your money, man. Nobody is ever going to, I'm, if any, if somebody offered me $15 million, I am there in the next minute. What do you need me to do? Do you need me to scoop up dog poop? I'll (laughs) do that for $15 million. Um, But just come out and say, Hey, listen, I I think this is a great opportunity for me and my family. I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. I'm going to go and, and, and try to take on this challenge. Don't, don't beat around the bush. Just come up. Hey, hey, listen, I love you guys. I appreciate what you have done. You're always going to be a part of my family. I, I greatly appreciate what you have done for me and what, what we've done for this university. But I'm going to go take this money. I'm going to take what, what's best for my family and, and go accept this challenge. Just come out and, and be open and honest. Don't be a snake oil salesman. I mean, I think a lot of the time early in James Franklin's tenures, people just didn't trust him. People didn't know his MO. The problem but, is this, though, okay? I wish in a perfect world we could have a situation where there's a complete moratorium on talking about all of this stuff during the season, okay? That there wouldn't be rumors come out. We wouldn't have to ask coaches, hey, well, your name is in connection with this job or that job. We w- I wish there was a moratorium. Mm-hmm. You know why there's not? That would require the NCAA to be a competent organization. No, these coaches, agents get the names out. That's how all of this works, all right? So I don't want to hear any coach ever complain about distraction, this or that, or, you know, I hate the way that these rumors fly crazy. These rumors are out there because these coaches want them out there. It gives them leverage. That's Mm -hmm. just the way it goes. So, you know, if, if James Franklin or Jimbo Fisher or anybody gets perturbed that they're getting asked questions all season about, hey, well, now your name's up for this, then tell your agent to stop putting your name out there. Yeah. Well, that, that's, ne- that's never going to happen because that's, that's, how, that's how this whole slimy, shady business operates, and I hate it. Yeah, I mean, it's slimy, and it's, it's the nature of the business, and that's a shame. I mean, the players are able to leave now in the middle of the season. The coaches, 
you know, whether they're fired or not. It, it, it's just, there isn't, I guess there isn't really a right way or a wrong way to go about this. I mean, I think, you know, the NCAA could easily make changes that would require them to be a competent organization. I just don't think they're capable of that per se. Um, but again, you know, it, it, it's the nature of the business. And that's, I think, the shame of it all is because you're you're uprooting these families you're up, and, and you want these. So now it, it, it begs the question, um, are you able to or to to recruit these people to a university or are you recruiting them to a coach? And I think that's that's I think the biggest thing, too, is, hey, guess what? We're committed to this university, not this coach. And what we're seeing in Oklahoma, they were committed to that coach. And, yeah. and that's and that's a big thing. Now, at Penn State, a lot of those guys have said, even if Franklin left, whether this is true or not, they would have stayed. Now, again, you've got to take that with a grain of salt. You know, Franklin is staying, should be there for a long time. I don't foresee Penn State firing him ever unless something goes horribly off the tracks. But again, stability is good in college football. Stability, you know what you're going to get from James Franklin. You know what you're going to get year in and year out. You're probably going to get a team. You're going to lose to a team that you're not supposed to lose to, a.k.a. Illinois. And you're probably going to lose to one of, or if not both, Michigan or Ohio State. But again, you know what you're going to get from James Franklin. He's a great role model for the university, great uh, face of the university. Um, now, you know, now Oklahoma is in damage control. Bob Stoops is out of retirement recruiting for them. Notre Dame comes out, um, makes their hire, and, I, and, and you, you see it speaks volumes again for, for Brian Kelly. None of his assistants have gone with him, and he just, he just fired one of the longest-tenured LSU employees and their strength coach. He's been there for 20 years. He was there under Saban, Les Miles, and Orgeron. He was a big factor in, in the growth of the LSU Tigers program. But now, now USC is actually there. I think they're playing right now as we speak. Um, they're playing in a the in a game that was postponed due to COVID. So, but it, the coaching carousel, it's wild. It gets off the tracks this time of year because of that early signing day, right? And do you move it back to make it a little better? But again, what? How would you fix that, Corey? Yeah, I don't. And I don't think we're going to see it move. There was all this talk about getting it early and everything. And, you know, one problem we haven't even addressed yet is the Quinn Ewers situation <laughs> at Ohio State. Uh, he was from Texas. He couldn't get NIL money as a high school senior. So he goes to Ohio State a year early. Then all of a sudden you find out C.J. Stroud's a Heisman candidate and, and he's going to transfer. All right. Well, but his pockets are loaded now. Yeah, but he got his money. And so the players are getting more leverage in this whole situation because now they can make their money. But, boy, I'll tell you what, what do you think is going on behind the scenes at Ohio State right now with regards to Drew Aller? The kid's an in-state guy. He's been committed to Penn State forever. But they just lost their their number one quarterback recruit. You know, could could they – could Ryan Day and his his people be out there now really – hey, Jared, you're Drew Aller, all right? Here's what I'm going to sell you on right now, all right? I'm coming into your living room. I'm Ryan Day. You want to go play for Penn State? Their quarterback was 67th in the country in passing efficiency this year. Our guy's going to finish second in the Heisman. Why would you want to go play for Penn State? We beat Penn State. We've beaten James Franklin seven out of eight times. Why would you want to go play for for Penn State? Mike Yersich? He coached here for us a couple years ago. Here's a flaw here. Boom. Here's a flaw here. Boom. You don't think that's going on right now? Because Oh, there's definitely. We're going to talk about the future of Penn State. You know, this recruiting class to Drew Aller is something that everybody is talking about. But that Quinn Ewers decision to transfer, really, really fascinating, I think, if you, if you, if you consider all aspects of it. Yeah, right. I mean, and that's kind of the nature of the beast that Ohio State runs into. They have a four or five star player, if not multiple transfer after every season, because you get there and hey, guess what? There are two, three, four, four or five stars just like you in that position group. You that can... quarterback, though, is from Ohio. And that's right. what the class they didn't recruit. Why would they recruit? Why why did they why would they recruit Drew Aller, no matter how good he is, when they've got CJ Stroud and Quinn Ewers? You now want, the whole now the whole dynamic has changed. Right, you want all the you want everybody that you can get, whether that's Drew Aller, whether that's Christian Vigue, whoever you want, you want to go out and get them 
whether there's a spot for them or not, you know, that, that is just one of those situations. Right. And, and I mean, Ohio state's going to be perfectly fine. Quinn Ewers is probably going to, I mean, I honestly don't know. Um, he might not have been even been ready for college football at this, at this point. Um, so for a kid to skip his freshman or his high school senior season, enter college early and expect to play, I don't really think um, it was going to be one of those situations, a situation conducive to his success. However, he's got more money in his pocket than we have in our yeah. bank account. That is money. Um, and, and hey, that's, that is good. And yeah. If, if you're going to, if you're a high school kid and you're going to go through all, jump through all those hoops, at least now you can get paid for it. Go get your bag. Go get your money. Good for him. I'm very interested to see where he ends up. But, you know, that's just it, – it's such a weird business. College football is such a weird business um, because the coaches can leave whenever they want. Um, the players now can leave whenever they want. It, it, it's becoming more and more like a professional professional sport, um, and, and they're making a lot of money doing it. I mean, people still tune in every week. I mean, I – you know, had I not gone golfing Saturday afternoon, I probably would have sat at home and watched every conference championship game I could. You know, we still tune in every week. Um, and now it, it's just got one of those situations where, hey, now we're tuning in because it's going to be an absolute tire fire. Some of these situations are great. Um, some of these situations are not so great. Uh, and it's interesting to see who these coaches get because, you know, Miami, let's take a look at the Miami Hurricanes. They still have a coach. They have Manny Diaz. Well, they're they're actively or through social media from what you see they're actively going after mario cristobal they don't even have an ad at miami right now that position is open and that's supposed to be the clemson ad now so it's just a silly season of college coaching the carousel is hot i'm tall enough to ride it but we have so much more to talk about here in the third and final segment of the we are podcast we're gonna get to that after this short break from the dk pittsburgh sports podcasting network Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Corey, we're on to bowl season. College football playoff selection show is today. What do you expect to happen? Well, it's cool because we know the answer now. It's going to be Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati. Those are going to be the four four teams in the playoff. I think that's probably going to be the seeds as well. Alabama will be the one seed, I believe, having beaten Georgia. I would be surprised if they put Michigan over Georgia. So I think it'll be Georgia two, Michigan three, Cincinnati four. So Alabama plays Cincinnati, and that's going to get ugly. And then Michigan plays Georgia. And I'll tell you what, I thought Georgia was the best team in the country. Um, But, man, Alabama just ripped them from the second quarter on, Jared. So um, I kind of think maybe Michigan could give Georgia – a little bit of an issue, but you know, Michigan doesn't have a tremendous offense uh, and they don't throw the ball a ton like Alabama does. So maybe that bodes well for Georgia, but those are the four teams in and Hey, I, I thought all along Georgia was going to win, but uh, man, I was wrong. I'm going to pick Alabama to win the title. Yeah. I thought Alabama was going to beat. Um, they were going to beat um, Georgia all along. I like Nick Saban going against his former assistants it's just one of those situations. I, I don't like to bet against Nick Saban at this time of the season. Bryce Young looked as advertised. He just looked absolutely great. There was a one of their touchdowns, I think it was in the second quarter, as I was slipping back and forth between that game and the Cincinnati game, he just threw this this deep ball. And I forget who the receiver was on the right side, but he just did a stutter step and just created just a little, a little bit of separation. And man, he just dropped that ball perfectly into the breadbasket. He catches a touchdown and the route is on. Um, and Alabama, man, Bill O'Brien, I thought, drew up a great offensive game plan uh, for the for the Crimson Tide, and they just were able to roll right over Georgia um, late in the game, especially. But you know, they in games like that, they laid out a blueprint of how to beat a team. They laid out a blueprint of how to beat Kirby Smart and and in Georgia, and you know, Cincinnati. 
they didn't look too great until Houston kind of forgot how to play football. And I thought Houston tensed up a little bit. The moment got a little bit too big for them in the AAC championship game. Uh, but Dana Holgerson is the, is the head coach there, former head coach at WVU. Um, and, and Hey, Luke Fickle's group was ready to, ready to go. Ritter is a great quarterback. Um, he dropped a couple of nice little dimes as well. And then they, they the route turned into a, a big time game there. Uh, and then kudos to Pitt, you know, was, I know this is a, Pitt, a Penn State podcast, but kudos to Pitt. They win the ACC championship game. Kenny Pickett, incredible play um, all season. I think he should get an invite to New York, whether he was the Heisman. I'm not so sure. But again, they, they, their defense showed up and, and Wake Forest hasn't been the same since the North Carolina game when they lost. When you lose to a team. You know, the fourth quarter, I think, in the North Carolina game is really what, what gave the blueprint to beat Wake Forest um, and hold their offense at bay. But when you lose, you know, you look at what happened to Penn State against Iowa, what happened against Illinois. You give those teams blueprints. They watch all this film. They have access to every statistic film clip known to man. So now the the the, the way to beat Cincinnati is not necessarily out because they're undefeated, but – the, the method to beat Michigan is out there. The method to beat Georgia is out there. The, beat, the method to beat Alabama. Though, now you have a month to prepare. So this is where it gets kind of fascinating. And I'm excited to see h- how these teams come out and how these teams play because you have a month to prepare for a bowl game uh, or, or close to a month because they do have some time off for finals and things of that nature. But, again, this is where it starts to get exciting for me as a coach because are you game planning – for a team, are you sticking to your guns and doing, hey, this is what we do well, come and beat us, or are you doing a mixture of both? Yeah, Al, I like Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is a good football team, but they got, I don't know, four NFL players on their team. Alabama's got 40. Uh, that game's not going to be close. Uh, now, Cincinnati did give Georgia a good game last year. They lost to Georgia in the Peach Bowl, 24-21. But Georgia didn't didn't care to be there. Uh, so Alabama's going to care to be there. And Nick Saban prepares for these games as well as anybody. I just think that Michigan, uh, that, that Michigan-Georgia game could be very, very interesting. Um, I, I'll, I'll take Georgia in that. And so we'll, we're going to see a Georgia-Alabama rematch. But, uh, boy, I, 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 I'll give Harbaugh credit. I've been very critical of Jim Harbaugh over the years. You know, what has he won? What has he won? Well, he's gotten there now. And so we all have to shut up now about Jim Harbaugh because he has won something now. And I will say this about Pitt. What won that game was their defense. And I didn't think that. Yeah. I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought Kenny Pickett was going to have to go out and throw for 400 yards. I thought Wake was going to score a lot of points. Wake's defense is ranked 100th in the country. They're not any good. But Pitt's defense gives up 21 points in the first quarter, and you're like, holy man, this is going to be 60 to 57. Pitt's defense came out and won that game. So that won them the ACC title with Wake not scoring. Now, Kenny Pickett had a nice game today. Uh, I don't, he didn't help. The, the win in the ACC title, um, that'll help his Heisman chances as opposed to losing. But he didn't have a Heisman kind of day today where he went out and threw for 460. Bryce Young, I, I think, wrapped up the Heisman with what, what he did uh, against Georgia, 400 yards, and, and really just pounding them. So it was, an, it was a fun day. It was exciting. Jared, you and I, we're, we're covering football every Saturday. We're focused on Penn State, and it, it's fun to be able to actually sit down and watch a whole bunch of other games and see what's going on. Yeah, it is. And it was, it was really weird because I felt like there was always something I should have been doing a little bit more. Um, but, uh, yeah. but, yeah, I mean, you look at um, – you look at Kenny Pickett's days, 20 of 33, 253 yards and two touchdowns. He also added a, another running touchdown. A lot of that came in the first half because they didn't have to throw the football in the second half. And, and Pitt's defense was incredible. I mean, they had a pick six. They set them up for a three-yard touchdown and, and just really, really poured it on because it was 31-21 at one point. And, and then they just kind of exploded. And Wake Forest was up, I think, 21-14 at one point in the first half. And – you know, hey, kudos to Pat Narduzzi and Pitt. I don't know whether they're going to make a keychain for this or because it's a ring now that it'll actually be good. But, hey, they did it. They exercised those demons after they got just boat raced against Clemson a couple of years ago. 
but good for them. Good for that program. And, and back to Harbaugh. I mean, Harbaugh, you can say what you want as weird as he is the sleepovers with certain recruits. Hey, whatever. But the man is donating his, his bonus for winning the big thing championship back to the athletic department for, for employees that were impacted by, by COVID uh, COVID pay cuts. And I think that's admirable. Um, Harbaugh gets it. Harbaugh's a Michigan guy. Um, we talk about, we talked about loyalty in that second program. When you have a guy that's loyal to your program, loyal to your state, you tend to, to, to keep them. Um, and I think, you know, going into this off season, you know, I think Michigan's in a very good spot. Now, can they keep up? Can they stay there? I think is, is really what's next, but you know, the end of last season, Harbaugh might Harbaugh very well could have gotten fired. Let me ask you this, Jared. I cannot answer this. Okay. Uh, because I'm a Heisman voter. So I, I cannot give you my answer on this question. So I have to ask you, um, does Kenny Pickett get invited to New York? They're going to invite four finalists, okay? Uh, the obvious ones are probably Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. I want to give a lot of love to Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State. And you've also got Matt Corral out there, who RG3, said that you know, during the broadcast, he, he had him above Pickett in terms of Heisman stuff. So uh, what, do you, what, 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 uh, what are your thoughts on whether – I said, again, I can't answer it because it would be giving away some of my vote. But do you think Kenny is one of the four? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it would be him and, and my other my, – uh, because to me, there are only two other, pe- two other players that have done what he's done um, in the ACC. Um, one was Jameis Winston at Florida State, and, and I'm saying 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. And the other was Deshaun Watson. And when you're in that company, um, it's just one of those situations where, hey, that's incredible company to be in, in in the realm of college football. So, hey, go out, get it. And, and I think he's well-deserving of it. I understand that you lost to directional Michigan um, and – and you lost to Miami, but he wasn't the factor. He wasn't the main reason. But that- my guess is he, for p- people watching this game today, expecting him to light up the one, number 100 defense in the country with 400 yards, they didn't see that either. So do you see what I'm getting at? Voters, voters who may have been on the fence might have looked and saw, well, Kenny had a good day, but their defense won that game. Right. Um, but I mean, you can't fault a guy for throwing for two touchdowns, rushing for another in 233 yards in a conference championship game either. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm really just kind of playing devil's advocate here. Right. Because I, do, I do think Kenny's going to be one of the four. But again, I, I, that's, I, I, I hope that winning a, winning a conference title, that matters. But, you know, Matt Corral down there, Corral down there, Ole Miss, they went 10 and two. They got all those voters down there. And you know, I, I hope, I hope Kenny is able to get, you know, the kind of recognition for voters that he deserves. Right. I, I do. I do hope so. And I think, you know, if it were up to me, I'd take Stroud, Young, uh, who I, th- I think Young is going to win, pick it. And I would give Kenneth Walker, the vote, my other four, um, my other guy, uh, just because I like the way he played. He just dominated against Michigan. Um, and now Michigan is, of course, in the, uh, which they should be in the, the college football playoffs. So, you know, kudos to kudos to those teams. I think that I think it's great for college football for those guys. And Matt Corral did a great job at Ole Miss. Ole Miss has got a really good program. They just extended Lane Kiffin too. That news broke on Saturday, um, and Lane Kiffin's doing a good job down there. I mean, I think he's he's. You talk about that. We talk about the coaching carousel. He was a big part of the coaching carousel for a long, long time. But you know, it, it's going to get infinitely better here. It's gonna get. It's gonna be a wild month of December. I know it's kind of calm on the playing front. Uh, with not very many games until late December. But next week, Army-Navy game is going to be an incredible atmosphere in the New Meadowlands, um, MetLife Stadium. I think that's going to be cool. I will actually be there um, as a fan. I'm very excited for that. I might have something coming out with that. Um, but very, very excited to take part in, in a game like that. But, you know, there's going to be more coaching decisions. Staffs are going to be torn apart because player or coaches are going to pull and yank guys from other staffs, um, recruits, recruiting season's going to heat up because we got this early signing day. The month of December is only five days old, Corey. It's about to get lit. As and we'll, the kids find out, say. we'll find out about Penn State's bowl matchup. I'm going to ask you, 
If you're Jahan Dotson, you playing in a bowl game? That's so tough. Um, I would. I mean, you, I think you finish what you start. But again, I don't have multi. I I don't have a multi million dollar contract awaiting me. Break your leg, you lose five million dollars. Right now, does he have how much money has he already made? You know, does the NIL have an impact here too? Um, because some of these guys have already made multi million dollars or, or millions. millions I don't think plus. he has though. I mean, if you're talking the quarterbacks, sure. Right, but. Our is but again, to be a first round pick. This you know? too could lead to more money. So I mean, it, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I do think that they'll play. Um, I just don't think that they owe these schools anything at this right. point. It, the the college we've been talking for literally almost an hour about the business of the professional sport of college football. The fans get caught up in the passion and and and. You know, you you want I want you to love my school like I love my school. These guys are there to get to the league and going to play UCLA in the Las Vegas Bowl. Or hey, I do think this would be a tremendous matchup. Could we see? Could we see Virginia Tech, Penn State in the Penn Strike Bowl? Please, that'd be phenomenal. What a great story that'd be. Oh, that would be that'd be interesting. Why? Why would? Why? Sir, I'm being completely serious here. Uh, there's a there's so much money at stake. If I'm one of those guys, I'm just I'm just not playing, Jared. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what decisions are made here. And, and you know, do you finish what you started or, you, or do you get an early start on, on your career? So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the next month. We'll, find, we'll know more about that later today um, as far as who's – probably who's – possibly who's playing, who's going to be playing. Um, and, of course – at Penn State, I would imagine that we won't hear who really isn't playing for quite some time as teams work a little bit of gamesmanship around the festivities of bowl season. Penn State, Virginia Tech, baby. Let's see it. Hey, That's listen, what I want to see. I'll take anything to be in a game at Yankee Stadium. Um, but until then, this has been the We Are Podcast. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. We thank you, as always, for listening. Have a safe and healthy week. We'll catch you next week for another edition.